What a weekend for round one. The AFL is back in a big way. It's so incredible and indescribable to have the AFL back with a crowd. I would say it was worth waiting for, but we also didn't have a choice. It was genuinely emotional even just hearing the commentators in the lead up to the season opener. Just before the game too, there was a commercial on my Watch AFL app that Brownie narrated, Jonathan Brown, that really was all the feels and just seeing the G too. (laughs) Watching the ceremony with the flags unfurling for Richmond at the start of the game, the season start was just everything I hoped it would be. Just such a relief too that we can once again be focused on the footy. But somehow I forgot and was reminded of that familiar feeling of staying up for games and losing sleep at the same time. The game started really late and ended in the time zone I'm in at 4.30 in the morning. So I was virtually a zombie the entire day following. So absolutely some of the benefits of working from home and living in a virtual workforce world. But let's get to it and dive into the opening overture of my overall thoughts on the week and where we're at now in March. So just a few things. COVID cases are rising again in New York City. We were on a steady downward trajectory for months, but the numbers seem to be creeping up again. So it's actually worse now than in late fall with all the new variants that are more contagious now. But at the same time, residents older than 50 are able to sign up for the vaccine, which started on Tuesday of this week in New York, while a number of other states, West Virginia, Alaska, and Mississippi, on Monday made everyone older than 16 eligible. And there's been a rise in incidents involving the Asian American community here in the U.S. There's been an increase in escalation in violence towards Asian Americans. It's been getting a little bit more attention and media coverage now because the events are increasing in both number and severity. So you may have heard about the mass shootings in Atlanta last week centered around women that worked in spas. It is an alarming rate and it is concerning on so many levels as it is happening around the world. But it's really generated strong feelings of anxiety within the community here because the incidents appear to occur randomly and even in areas with large Asian American populations. There's a deeper level of bias and discrimination that is harbored within our country, and you know I've addressed that previously. I just feel that we have the opportunity now to treat both the COVID-19 virus and the virus of intolerance that has plagued our nation for far too long. And I am here for anyone that needs to chat or process ongoing events related to this and otherwise. My email is aflfootyobsessed at gmail and aflobsessed on Twitter. But now we're on to act one with some early observations with regards to the new changes and also just some highlights from the weekend. Okay, let's start with the observations. So the man on the mark rule, I think number one, straight off the bat, it was the most probably noticeable difference from previous seasons. There was a lot of stands, stand, stand, and warning from the umps, which I don't necessarily need that mic'd, but it was interesting to hear just all of their calls magnified. But the inconsistent ruling on man on the mark was something that I really noticed and just how the call was paid differently. I know there's always questionable calls and seemingly double standards, but there were minutes kind of separating 
exact call incidents, at least to me. So in the opener, Jones, you know, fumbles over the line. A few minutes later, Nankervis just walks the ball over the line with zero pressure, and the call was paid differently. So I'm not opposed to what they're trying to do with the rule. I actually like it, but I do believe that the penalty is pretty severe. Why there isn't more of kind of a nuanced penalty is something I've always questioned because seemingly everything is just 50 meters when they make a call. And it's probably, I understand, hard to eyeball without definitive lines on a field. But that's definitely probably just like a bigger question mark I have coming from the round. Longer quarters is just so painful for the overnight games. As I said, I was virtually a zombie, literally and figuratively, for the entire day following that opening game. But, I mean, I can't argue just having more of the game in general. And the medical sub. So both medical subs were activated in that first game. And then it almost seemed like there was no doubt that every single coach would find a way to put the sub in later in the game because it's a player with fresh legs. And the controversy or the point of contention really is just that if the player who is being subbed out doesn't have a concussion, then they can play the following week. So again, more questions. I'm interested to see like how many of the players that were subbed out, whether or not they play. And just some highlights from the weekend. The Richmond versus Carlton game. Again, the unfurling ceremony of both of those flags was just everything, especially after watching Making Their Mark. If you've done that, I just feel like there was an extra layer of emotion and feeling. So it was just really great to see the celebrations around that. And Sam Walsh standing up to a three-person tackle and was just overall best on ground to me, superhero. And speaking of superheroes, Dusty, he is just in a different gear right now. I mean, we are in round one. I understand there was no Vegas during his offseason, but he is absolutely playing finals footy at the start of the season and dangerous. So I feel like it was a really honorable loss for Carlton. They just really played well, and I felt like their execution was really well fought up until just the last couple of minutes. In the Collingwood versus Western Bulldogs, both teams seemed inefficient going forward at first, but Bailey Smith, superstar, who just always finds the footy regardless of where he is on the ground, he had 35 disposals, was just a huge highlight for me. And on the flip side, Grundy, suffering from a super coach perspective for my team, but just in general, I feel like this type of gameplay has less stoppages, so there's less hitouts. So I don't know if that means that the Ruckman just won't score as highly, but maybe that will affect, you know, all Rucks equally in the comp. I'm going to have to kind of do a little bit of digging for that information, but I know it's the start of the season. He even could be out of form. I think he just kind of fares better on the fringe, just waiting for those hitouts. But I feel like the setup now, as I said, there just aren't as many down the line kicks and stoppages. They're kind of turning more towards the middle. It's just so easy to take a mark and just quickly play on. So it's more of like through the corridor, at least from what I'm seeing, versus previously like a long kick down the boundary. So now teams, I think, aren't doing that as much. But let me know your thoughts. And if you agree or disagree with me. <laughs> and in the Adelaide versus Geelong game, there is always a surprising blow up of the round. And this was absolutely that game to me. It was the first time in 50 years that a wooden spooner has beaten a grand finalist in round one. 
Last year, it took them until round 14 to win their first game. So it was great to see them win in round one. They have the youngest list in the comp. There were nine players with less than 10 AFL games under their belt. So I felt like the team just had all their cylinders firing throughout the game. And it was really great to see their confidence build again, especially after you see what they went through last season. If you watched the Amazon Prime documentary. Uh, the Essendon versus Hawthorne game. This one hurt. At first, I was just trying to discern, you know, what game style and play was going to be. And it was encouraging because the Dons were all forward and fast and not their typical going back and slow and around with their ball movement. And the first half was pretty stark. The Dons were seven goals up. But then at three-quarter time, the Hawks were seven goals up. So the Dons just really didn't have that composure going back in. And typically to me, anyways, they lose steam in the third. So it allowed the Hawks to absolutely catch up with that 40-point lead. And it was an incredibly painful loss by just one point. In the Brisbane versus Sydney game, all of their young guns were such a surprise and such a joy to watch. There were three debutantes who were all major contributors to their team success. And Errol Golden had three goals, and he's the rising star nominee for round one. Logan McDonald also had three goals, and Braden Campbell was the other debutante that I'm referring to. But yeah, a surprise win by 31 points over Brisbane. I think this is a team to watch for sure this season. And in the West Coast versus Gold Coast game, Maddie Rowell did his knee after a tackle pretty early on in the game. So that was just incredibly heartbreaking to see. He doesn't have to have surgery, but he's going to be in a brace for six weeks and then reevaluated. So hopefully not a season ending injury for him. I know we're all just cheering on his recovery and really future success because I just see so much in him and I really just want him to be able to play. So yeah, I feel like the new man on the mark rule just favors teams that can spread out and kick well. And to really just see that in action and performative evaluations after the matches was something that I just really noticed. But what did you guys think about the games? <laughs> My email is aflfootyobsessed at gmail and aflobsessed on Twitter if you'd like to chat or share. Okay, it's intermission. So quickly during this time, let's just cut away to other sports. College basketball and NCAA's March Madness tournament is ongoing here in the States, and so is the equivalent women's tournament. It is interesting that the NCAA built its trademarked March Madness brand into one of the most powerful brands in sports, but the label has just been reserved for the men's portion of the comp. So after a TikTok went viral, I don't know if you saw, kind of highlighting the disparity between the men's and women's training facilities, their food, and kind of overall funds going towards both the men's and women's teams. There's just been some scrutiny over why the March Madness brand isn't being shared. And the trademark registrations for the phrase actually allows its use for both the men's and women's tournaments. And also the broadcast agreements for the men's tournament don't prohibit it from being used as branding for the women's side. So it is interesting and disappointing that they declined to use it, even though the women's comp has grown in popularity in recent years. 
So there's definitely a need for a push for gender equality initiatives. I just want to see our talented girls and women have greater access and overall opportunities, especially when there are funds available. And now we're on to act two with discussions about relevant footy topics and issues because there's always so many footy topics to discuss. So one of the biggest moments from round one has been Danger's tackle on Jake Kelly, which resulted in a heavy concussion and broken nose, and Jake Kelly was stretchered off of the ground and couldn't play the rest of the game. So Danger has faced the tribunal, and he has been handed a suspension for three weeks. I think it was pretty obvious that he would be facing at least a couple. So there's a lot of conversations about the AFL's duty of care and We've talked extensively about CTE concerns, and I'm a fan of danger, as you know. So it was shockingly out of character for him, especially as president of the AFL Players Association. I feel like, you know, he leads by being an example for all of the younger players. He seems to have a real interest in protecting players from concussion. So he went in for an unprompted bump. And as I said, the outcome was that the player was taken off the field by stretcher. So afterwards, though, kind of talking about his actions, I feel like instead of owning up to it, he seemed to say otherwise to me. I would love to know what you think about this. It was a major talking point from the week, but just from the perspective of the action itself, and now he is out of the running for a Brownlow the first week into the season. And another big theme from round one as a topic was just the medical sub rule and how it impacts debutantes. So Connor Downey made his debut in strange circumstances as the injury substitute. He was named as Hawthorne's medical sub, and he actually was not activated during the match because he wasn't needed, but it will always count as his first game. So I'm interested in how this will play out for him as a new rule, but also I'm surprised they just weren't counted officially or classified as an emergency afterwards. I know the verbiage is different, but I guess I'm curious how this will go on in other cases and maybe all the way to a grand final. It's a new rule, the medical sub rule, but what happens if you don't play the game of a grand final? Like, do you get a medal if your side wins? There's just all these questions that I have. So I think there's definitely an opportunity there to iron out a few more details and just kind of give us a little bit more clarification. And now I kind of wanted to talk about players that are getting a second act in their career or just in another act with another club following trades and moves. So a really big story from this week that I'm really excited about is that Buddy Franklin, who has two more seasons left on his multi-million dollar mega deal, will be playing this weekend in round two. So after he had his 300th game, we've kind of all been waiting to see what he's still got. He's absolutely a living legend and arguably the best center half forward to play the game. For anyone who's not familiar, he's kicked a whole stack of goals in an era where people are just kicking less goals, and he's not a full forward. So if you've ever seen footage, he just dominates, and he's won premierships. He's absolutely who I'm going to be watching this weekend, and I'm just really happy for him. He's 34, and he's still in it, so I know that we're all looking forward to his return. And Adam Saad, who was previously with Essendon, now with Carlton, just had a really great game and he played really well, kind of reminding everyone of his skill set. 
And Adam Trelor, we haven't really talked at length about his departure from Collingwood. He is now with the Western Bulldogs. I'm really happy that he had such a great game. Even though he has nothing to prove, his actions just really showcased what a great and generous player I really feel like he is on and off the field. Especially with everything that Buckley has been saying recently about how maybe the leadership group wanted him out. But I know that he routinely was taking a pay cut in order to fit more players in due to sal cap issues at the club. So personally, as a player, I think if you're at Collingwood, you might be concerned with contract negotiations later this year if yours is expiring. Because even if you get what you want out of it, you could always be screwed later. You know, I'm not expecting every player's exit to be handled with grace, but that was definitely one of the most disturbing ones I've heard about in my time as a supporter. And Jaden Stevenson, who also previously was with Collingwood, now with North Melbourne, had 33 disposals and seven tackles at his new club. So that was really exciting to see. Joe Danaher, previously with Essendon, now with Brisbane, kicked two goals for Brisbane. And Orazio Fantasia, also previously with Essendon, now with Port Adelaide, kicked four goals for Port. And Stefan Martin, previously with Brisbane, now with the Bulldogs, which is really great in tandem with English as a combo ruck. Not a sidekick, but just really great alternatives, and he even got a goal too. So major applause for all of these players who are still kicking it at different clubs, and mad props to them. But on a separate note, Willie Rioli, who was previously suspended in September and was facing a four-year ban for his infraction for subbing out his urine during two drug tests, this month there was a surprise announcement that he was handed down a two-year ban that they backdated to the date of the first infraction. So he is free to return in August of this year. I do feel like the amount of time he got was pretty long. Um, just for me personally, but I'm just curious, has there ever been a player facing down kind of a four-year ban and then getting handed down like a two? Probably just another path of research that I'll go down because this is just what obsessives do. (laughs) But yeah, I'm just interested in not the punishments, but just what has happened previously for other players. So now it's the after show. With just a reminder, during season, I'll be doing the spotlight segments as interview episodes by themselves. So during season, the curtain call spotlight segments will be individual episodes. But just a couple of notes, a Tassie license. So former Geelong Cats president and AFL commissioner, and AFL commissioner Colin Carter has been appointed to review the business case for a 19th license in Tasmania at the end of the season. So I assume they're assessing the feasibility of having a team there and maybe can make a recommendation along those lines. So I'll be interested to see what happens there. And my little super coach Diddy and (laughs) dilemma, who to trade Raul in danger for? I'd love to know your thoughts on players, how you think your team and your super coach team is doing. It is my second season playing And I'm just kind of curious what games you're looking forward to this weekend. I actually think I fared better in round one last season than this time around, but I'm still hopeful and I'm really excited to continue playing. So that's it for me. Thanks again for listening, for rating, and for subscribing, everyone. 
And I love reading your reviews for the pod on Apple and all other platforms. They really make my day. So thanks for hanging around for the show. Stay safe and healthy. Check on your friends and neighbors. We'll get through this like we have with footy. I'm virtually hugging you and we'll talk footy soon. Bye.